Talmor, Sheshin Mugachi. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My gran says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. Take 454. <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome to My Vagina. This is Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. And here we are again, having our current historical, hysterical, infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina-having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding. It's definitely researched. That's Rebecca's queef. (laughs) Guess what, everyone? We had another interview, um, and it was really cool. Uh, Going really poorly. Okay. Uh, (laughs) A few few weeks ago, we had a couple of young college, young ladies. Young ladies from Wesleyan. Wesleyan University. Who came. Maya and Olivia. Maya and Olivia. And uh, they came and talked to us about uh, an organization that they work with. About sex. It's all about sex. It's called uh, Wesleyan ASHA, A-S-H-A, and it stands for the Adolescent Sexual Health Awareness Group. Yeah. I mean, the group isn't there, but it's Adolescent Sexual Health Awareness at Wesleyan University. <laughs> so uh, we're going to hear what they have to say. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. All right. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have sex standing up. Okay. Everybody take some rubbers. So we are a part of a student group called ASHA, which stands for Adolescent Sexual Health Awareness. And we go out and we teach local high schoolers at, we're from Wesleyan, we teach local high schoolers about sex ed uh, with our own curriculum. And we do a bunch of stuff on campus to educate people about Mm -hmm. having healthy sex. Yay. And what what does healthy sex look like? (laughs) Uh, I mean, not (laughs) in detail. um, (laughs) drawing (laughs) all right so so tell us about let's start with olivia um tell us about yourself what do you study in wesleyan and why are you involved with this program um yeah so i'm olivia i am a going to be a junior at wesleyan in the fall um i'm studying art history and french double major and i'm a part of asha because i realized there was a big gap in like my personal learning experience being a woman and being in high school and being like, what's going on and not, not having any resources to turn to. And when I found this through my friends, I just realized like, this is something like tangible that I can do. It implicates a change in someone's life. Maya, tell us about yourself. Hi, um, I'm Maya Lane. I am Great from name. Brooklyn. Thank you. Yeah, you're um, a famous person name. I'm, I'm praying. Um, <laughs> I go to Wesleyan with Olivia. I am a psychology and gender studies double major. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting combo. I'm a part of the core member of ASHA, which is Adolescent Sexual Health Awareness. What did you think was like lacking in your, in your curriculum when you were in high school? Well, it's also interesting to like hear everyone's different, what their sex ed was like at their high school. Mm. So I went to a public school in Westchester and we had health class and it was like one unit mm-hmm. on sex. But our teacher was used to be um, a minister or a pastor oh, or something. 
And he was also a gym teacher, so it wasn't that, like, the greatest source. Wow, it's really great to know that nothing is different from what it was in the year 2000 in suburban New Jersey. Yeah, and it was mostly just, like, here's a scary picture of a genital wart or something. What we try to do at Asha is make it more empowering. Just give you all this information, and it's really pleasure-based, I think, is one of our most important aspects. So one of the things that we do in the beginning is we ask people, like, what is sex? And we have them just shout out. I mean, they have a lot of – if it's, like, a fun class, they have a lot of fun being, like, anal. Like, they have okay. – Yeah. It's really, they like, really – sometimes they send it, but sometimes it's, like, you could hear a pin drop. Yeah, really. Yeah. It's either really awkward or, like, really fun and, like, people are just yeah. shouting out a bunch it's of stuff. still high school kids. Yeah. 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 It's, like, a mixed bag. But we ask them, uh, what is sex? And so people are, like, you know, kissing and hand-holding and vag- vaginal – sex and like all these different things and we do that basically to to show them that like sex means so many different things to so many different people like what one person um thinks is sex might not be what the other person thinks is sex and then we also ask them what are reasons why you might engage or not engage in these behaviors and it's like well maybe i'm not in the mood or maybe i feel sick or maybe like i feel pressure for my parents to engage in sex or maybe so i all, want to yeah or like maybe you want to yeah. exactly i'm horny so it's like basically showing them that sex is not only just like not, you know, penis and vagina kind of thing. It's Mm -hmm. like so many different things. And also like, there are so many different reasons for why you might want to engage in that. And some of that is based on like, I just feel like it today. And and if you don't feel like it a different day, then like, that's also cool. Can you explain? uh, Cause I feel like that is a complicating thing for people to wrap their heads around that sex is not just vaginal and penis intercourse. Yeah. I mean, it's like, Especially, I think, in high school where, like, the topic of virginity comes up so much. And it's like, oh, are you a virgin? Are you not a virgin? Yeah. And people understand virginity as, like, well, if you have had someone's, you know, penis in your vagina, then you're not a virgin anymore. But for someone who is, like, gay, that might be different. Or someone who is, le- or just, like, if you feel like you haven't lost your virginity, quote, unquote, then you probably haven't. Do you know what I mean? It's oh, like- so that girl who t- said had butt sex but she didn't have vaginal sex, she, <laughs> she, she still thinks she's a virgin. I so mean, if you can, you can make someone, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's also really common too. Like we get scenarios where people are like, what if I have done this and not this? And I was like, I can't, I can't tell yeah. you. Like yeah. you have to decide that for yourself. What, what is your virginity? Yeah. Like what, yeah. Yeah, what does that mean yeah, to you? Yeah. I mean, that's an, just an interesting conversation about, we talk a lot about um, policing of women's bodies in general and mm-hmm. here on the podcast, but just the policing of sexuality in general mm-hmm. and like, and how narrow our kind of general societal understanding of what sexuality and sex is compared with how vast a spectrum mm. of those things are. And it's I can't imagine how different it would have been for all of us to have grown up having these sorts of conversations at those times when you're just starting to experiment. Yeah. Mm. Because when you shut yourself off to things really early, it can be it's scary to try new things as you get older because you're afraid of making a fool of yourself or all this kind of stuff. And I think like you guys, your people your age by and large have such a much better understanding than older people do. Even like our age of the acceptability of different sorts of gender expressions and the, you know, willingness to be able to have frank conversations about how people feel about themselves and how people get turned on and all that kind of stuff. Most people are going to have sex. So like if we talk about it and we talk about how to do it safely, maybe there'd be less STD. <laughs> yeah. Um we do, yeah, so that we do the why or why not, which is sort of our boundary setting, okay. like reasons why or why not oh, to I engage see. in okay. behavior. Um, but that we sort of set that up so that we can have this conversation about boundaries. Like a lot of different people think of diff- these different acts differently. Right. And we have communication phrases where like we give them like, OK, you're in these scenarios. What kinds of 
like literal phrases can you use to make yourself to like make yourself feel comfortable and make sure that you're able to express what it, that you want to express because we recognize that in the in the heat of whatever moment and you're feeling a kind of way like it can be it's hard to easy to just say like so maybe we can do this but not that the last two examples that you yeah. gave me were that you give people ways to say no if they don't want to but what about on the other end where a man you know has to either know what enthusiastic consent is or ask I, I've honestly had a guy ask me if I was sure you don't necessarily have to do because I think a lot of people have that problem where they're like what are we supposed to ask every time and it's like no but there is a difference between enthusiastic consent and you have to read some and type of body language right. yeah we really do try to enforce enthusiastic consent yeah, yeah we, we talk like about stress that. that and it's a lot of the in our scenarios yeah and, so. and and if you can't tell that's when I think you should ask that's if when you're, it, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay cool if you think that maybe you should ask, you should probably ask. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. If there's even a shadow of a doubt in your mind mm -hmm. about what's going to happen, then okay. you should yeah. definitely. And despite all these ridiculous commentators saying that there's a sex panic and poor guys were having to ask. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I, so many women <laughs> that I've talked to have been like, and then the guy asked me if they could do a certain thing. And it's like, that's sexy. Like, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Like having it. having actual like verbal engagement and, and like not having to, and just, and just always, and even for the process, not even of checking in with the other person all the time, of checking in with yourself and being like, okay, actually, let me think. And then realize that, yes, I am mm -hmm. totally into this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, that's, I, I don't understand what the downside of it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. I really, like, I've had that happen to me recently and I was like, whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's never happened. No one was like, hey, is this good? Like, does yeah. this feel good? Are you comfortable with this? And I was like, it's almost yeah. kind of, yeah, it's, it's like, kind of sexy. Hey, wow, okay, yeah. people are and doing this now. Yeah. yeah, it's like happy shocking. You yeah, know? yeah. You're like, fuck. I wasn't like, oh. right. <laughs> Get out right yeah, now. Exactly. Get out. How Just dare you check in with me, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the more totally. that you try to make these like phrases or these like check-ins a thing that people are like yeah. doing and the less you're, you're surprised by it the more that your pleasure and your satisfaction comes into the conversation and i think it also becomes easier for people to express what it is that they like when like you know that you you can like oh i want you to do this i want you to do that or like here yeah. or there i know that this has definitely been the case for me a lot which is that you know you don't necessarily like you're like okay well i'm doing this thing and it's fine and like i'm having fun i'm enjoying myself but it could be better and you don't mm. and things happen in a way you don't like really necessarily like Give yourself time to check in and mm. check in with your body and think about yourself and how things are feeling and then communicate that to somebody else. And it's this weird thing of like not feeling safe and also being like, am I going to insult this person if I tell them that I like this thing instead? Mm. But if you've already right. set that up as part of the thing, then like, yeah. Oh, I definitely feel, I still feel that as a woman. <laughs> yeah. I really do. Even now, and I think I'm pretty sexually open, but I still have a little bit of trouble being like, you're doing that wrong. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. I need I need you to do a little bit more of that and <laughs> like a little bit less of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys teach any of that? I guess that's hard. It's high school. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, because that's right. it's very limiting because mm -hmm. you can only say so much. Yeah, because like parents, like when we're teaching to high schoolers, you have there is a certain like agreement. I'm not, not really exactly sure what goes into it, but our co coordinators like, like yeah, really, um, yeah. Some so some of the schools make the children take home a permission slip especially if we have a section where we talk about stis and condoms and that sort of um we we like to do a condom demonstration and we have these like cute wooden dildos that we bring everywhere with us that were actually recently they were stolen, stolen and missing no! yeah and there was a whole email chain we were like they're very important to us they're it's very essential special. that they be returned <laughs> 
Um, so we try to do, we like to do condom demonstrations, like, you know, check the expiration date, feel the puff of air. Like there's all kinds of things that like I even I, before they learned that, mm. before they taught us that in our training, I was like, wow. Like usually you just like, sh- let's yeah. go. Don't rip it with your teeth. Yeah. Well, even though maybe it uh, looks the sexy. air yeah. in the top is very essential. Yeah. Yes. The little that's how shit breaks. Exactly. <laughs> um, but some schools like don't let us do that because that's almost like showing these children how to have sex and mm. yes. they are going to have sex and that is oh my god like they're yeah. just gonna they're gonna do it yeah. probably most of them will at least have some so sort of sexual experience them. by the time they're out of high school yeah and like, if they don't know like we can't walk around on eggshells like pretending mm. they're not gonna do anything because right. oh they're like 15 but yeah okay but that's yeah. when they're gonna do it yeah. and they should be armed and prepared with right. armed and prepared <laughs> yeah. and this idea that the south is a hotbed for this kind of stuff mm-hmm. is also really in it's incorrect because yeah. this happens everywhere and to assume that it's regionally based is means that we are not addressing this as a nationwide mm. educational problem yeah. which it is like a huge deficit and there's when, you know we talk about like science and math deficits why don't we talk about sex that is a deficit we have like generations upon generations upon generations of men and women who have information about how to have pleasurable empowering sex and yet every single person is forced to start from nothing Mm. without having the privilege of learning from other people's knowledge this is like one of there's not that many areas where we don't value the knowledge of those that came before us. Mm. So, yeah, I this is a new thing. We just came up with it this year. And it is just a workshop that focuses on how to build healthy relationships with partners. And we use the word partners because we say that, like, anyone is your partner. Your friend is your partner. You guys are both in it together trying to make a relationship healthy. So we kind of stress that. Um, I know it's interesting. Yeah. And then we have – so we talk about care, like how you express care. Like, are you someone who um, – like love languages. Yeah, we talk about love. Like we talk you a lot about quiz? love languages. No, but I love that. I'm idea. gonna cry. What is it's it? It's so cute. <laughs> it's like how you express and re- prefer to receive care. Uh, we talk about anger. How you express anger? Because we say that like anger is an emotion that I think is very stigmatized. It's like oh, I don't know. Like it's hard to express anger in a very positive way. But like if you keep it all inside, it often bubbles up and can become worse than it was in the beginning. Uh, and then, yes. Well, so we talk about non-negotiables, which is like, what are you willing to compromise in a relationship? Because there are things, yes, you're pri- that's the, the, you thank you. But yes. like, there's like <laughs> priorities, like things that you think are important, but you don't need versus things that you like, if I don't have this in a relationship, I'm out. Uh, and I think that's like a really important distinction Ow. because mm-hmm. you need to know what you're willing to compromise and what you're not willing to compromise. It oh was you, like, you teach yeah. people, we were, we taught in this class we, in this high school classroom and I could see like the the teachers were like mm-hmm. <laughs> one teacher was like yeah I learned this about with my wife like 30 years too late I was like oh I'm so sorry to hear that like, <laughs> well, people are really that's what I'm thinking I was just yeah. thinking to myself I wish I'd had that yeah I'm so glad like that's something I'm I'm so happy that people were responding really well to because it was sort of a shot in the dark and also I don't know like I'm not I don't have all my relationships aren't perfect like it's hard yeah. to and I think we, we try and stress that when I'm teaching to the high schoolers, which we've only done once, but hopefully I'll do more. Um, I try and stress like this is something that adults or like old people are constantly learning. Like we're, yeah. we're yeah. Lear- and and also like these things can shift. Like it's not like you have to decide I want X, Y and Z. And like for the rest of my life, I it, that's what I'm you know what I mean? Like in it, it depend in different relationships, you can decide like, OK, this is something that before maybe I was a little bit more. Like, I really needed before, but now with you, like, this is different because mm-hmm. you give me this. Like, yeah. it's like this, it's this fluid thing that I think, 
I don't know, like you don't have to hold yourself to like these really strict sort of standards. Things yeah. change and we're yes. complex. I mean, I've like to that as an example, I was with somebody and I really for the longest time thought that I never wanted to have kids. And then I was with somebody that I was like, I could see myself having a kid with you. And like that all change and fluctuate over time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like um, it's not that's not something you have like a dedicated answer to. Like it's not going to be just a you know it's could be d all of the above so like that will constantly change instead of like you have like a friendship that teaches you oh this is what friendship should be like not that every friendship every friend should be this person but Mm -hmm. that like it should be a constant checking in of what's working and what's not working and and like reassessing and and valuing the people that you surround yourself with i definitely know that in the course of my life i've certainly had some toxic friendships and it's mm. and that's and those are relationships that were not necessarily taught to look at and and yeah. analyze and step back from or or um actively try and fix mm. and you need you to know? differentiate between good and bad and mm-hmm. and it sounds easier than done i like the idea a lot of uh talking about what you're willing to give up and what you won't because i think i think a lot of not to gender it, but I do think women do that very often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have come to terms. With, that's the thing that I was thinking about that I have come to terms with where it's like, just because I don't want to compromise these things or my hopes and dreams does not mean that I'm being selfish. Mm-hmm. There are things that you obviously compromise in a relationship, but there are huge things that you should never fold on mm. because that's not what a team is. A team is somebody who like supports and lifts you and challenges you to better yourself, not to take away from from right. that. And and I don't think that's something I learned until this past year. Mm. Yeah. And so that's crazy to me that that's that I have never even thought that that should be something taught in high school and that's I'm really impressed by that. Yeah, it's a super high level of like of emotional t- intelligence and un- and the knowledge that that we should understand that high school age kids and even middle age, middle school age kids are capable of having mm-hmm. this level of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and we assume that they don't have it. But we have to give them the tools. Right. Yeah. I was teaching and one of the girls, we have anonymous questions at the end, and one of the girls was saying, I have this person that I really like and I know he likes me back, but he came from a, a, a relationship that was really abusive and I don't want to push him into anything that he's not going to be comfortable with. And so I was sitting there like, wow, like people, it, it was just a reminder that people of all ages are capable of having these really intense, complex, emotional lives that we do not give kids credit for at of all, course. enough credit for. So are you finding also that I'm sure you are doing this too, like talking about, cause I know there's a real lack of conversation and knowledge about, um, uh, emotional sexual physical abuse within same-sex relationships and i was wondering if you guys talk about that kind of stuff specifically or do you just talk like inclusively assuming that everyone will assume it applies to everything it's more of like can fit multiple orientations and representations and is that like explicitly said at the beginning no okay which is interesting because like the whole i mean we do like talk about when we're talking about what is sex we talk about kinds of sex that would be between people with like non-heteronormative Mm-hmm. sexual orientations but it's interesting because they assume mostly assume automatically that we're talking about heterosexual mm-hmm. relationships right because that's what's considered the right norm. how do you know they assume that because when we give them the scenarios with these like vague 
gender neutral names they'll be like well jordan like he shouldn't have kissed her we, were, so we pass out little pieces of paper in the beginning with as anonymous question sheets so yeah. like at any point if they like have something but they don't want to like raise their hand yeah they can just write it down and then we collect them at the end and like if we have time we like read we answer some of them that we deem like appropriate to be answered we, they can't ask we can't answer anything personal because right. we don't want to give them like of course any kind of idea of what's like quote-unquote normal mm. so there was this one that our friend got teaching one time that said like the whole note was just covered with there are only two genders there are only two genders wow so people sometimes have a hard time sometimes like homophobic stuff yeah yeah it it, i don't know every teacher kind of approaches it differently it's hard because you don't want to lay it on too thick because like sometimes they can have really averse reactions to that whereas like if you are maybe more subtle about it it might become incorporated into the way that they use language it's always so strange to me that in a country that is so focused on individual rights Mm -hmm. and individual um, success that we don't also focus on, huh? I was going to say it's only individual rights if it's like something like gun control. Right. <laughs> Not yeah. in terms of who Nothing you want to sleep with. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like, but we're so, we're like so oftentimes chipping away at community and like the ideas of community and uh, the importance of it. And, and like, I don't mean that in this like, like cheesy way, but we're, we are communal organisms. We're mm. not supposed to just be only out for ourselves and it's just it's always so strange to me how like how that there's theoretical boundaries on that kind of thing and how you know it would it would actually be better for everybody if each person felt comfortable finding the partner that's right for them and and having the sex that's right for them and Mm -hmm. you know you think about how much more people are able to give to the community when they feel better themselves Mm -hmm. and it's just it's always so strange to me like how strict we are about that idea in certain ways and how much we do not believe in individual freedoms and others mm-hmm. i just want to mention like we also talk about like bystander intervention no oh, yeah which is like oh, cool. something oh that we yeah try to how do you guys teach that you saw somebody that you don't really know like having a sort of vaguely like it lo- didn't look like a great interaction with someone else and like you don't know what to do but you don't want to do nothing mm-hmm. so the first thing we talk about is distract so you like could go up to the person and be like you want to come to the bathroom with me or like I lost my phone can you help me look mm-hmm. whatever you know and just think of something um and then but like maybe if you don't know them you can delegate it to someone that does know them like hey I saw your friend they didn't look like they were having a- such a great time and not really sure what happened there like maybe you want to go check on them and then they can do one of the other two things, which is like distract or direct, mm-hmm. like direct as in being direct. You say like, Stop are you comfortable? Or, yeah. Yeah. Like you go up to the person and you're just like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Is this okay? Yeah. And like the worst thing that happens is you're embarrassed. Right. Yeah. Like, and the best thing that happens is you Get avoid someone. harassment. Like yeah. you avoid someone getting harassed. To add another D. Like we can, <laughs> we can like deconstruct, we can de- deconstruct the behavior, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. to kind of like denormalize it. You remember that shit. Like mm-hmm. if someone oh, yeah. comes up and you are being inappropriate with somebody else and someone comes up and holds you accountable and says, and like says to the person you're talking to and then you feel like fuck. Yeah. Like, and you, mm-hmm. that, unless you're yeah. like a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, that's just in there and that's mm-hmm. a serious moment. And like, think about how many people you're saving how you're like protecting that person from maybe getting punched in the face at some point, but also like all of the people that they might do that to, do that to later. Yeah. Yeah. And like the kids, they do respond to that very well. Like a lot of the, and it's, I do find like in the classes that I've seen, like it's a lot of the times like the girls who are like, they're very forthcoming and like, Oh yeah. Are very interested in, <laughs> in like looking heroes. out. 
Well, cool. Um, that was great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Olivia and Maya. I'm yeah, really stoked awesome. about what you guys are doing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if, you if anyone has any um, tips on uh, things to do with our curriculum, please let us know. Um, so if you want to send any sort of curriculum ideas, it is asha, A-S-H-A dot Wesleyan, W-E-S-L-E-Y-A-N at gmail.com. And I will put that in the episode notes. <laughs> Awesome. At your age, you're going to be having a lot of urges. You're going to want to take off your clothes and touch each other. But if you do touch each other, you will get chlamydia and die. Wow, cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Rebecca, what was your sex ed like in high school? I guess this is really telling, but I basically don't remember it yeah. at all. I'm, I have two conflicting memories, one of which was being in like a small classroom and looking at videos mostly of STDs, but not really getting any real information about anything that was like more like scare tactics, I felt like. And also we watched that childbirth video that I had to walk out of because <laughs> I get queasy. We Nobody also, wants to see the crowning. No. No. I don't want to see the crowning, like, even if it's mine. Right. Yeah. And unless you're, it's con- out. unless you're a contortionist, you should be safe. You know, like, I don't remember learning about anything that would help me going forward in terms of like how to have a healthy sexual relationship with somebody else. But then I also remember us all for some reason sitting in bleachers in in the gym. But oh. that, but I don't know if that happened or if I just saw you just watch Mean show. Girls too much. <laughs> That's how little that you remember of sex ed is yeah. that you're like, maybe I was in the bleachers of Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah, I might have been sitting right next to Lindsay. Or like kind oh. of with social media where you like think you know somebody, but you've only seen them on social media. So when you see them in person, you're like, oh, I know them. You right. forget so much. Of it right. Like, like how you and I are not actually best friends with Celeste Barber. True. Yeah. Which is weird. That's, cra- that's because crazy. That's crazy that anybody would think that. I know her so well. Hey, hey, Celeste, can you hear us? Can you? We're funny. Do you want to be friends? Yeah. Come on our podcast. <laughs> Um, So, Jesse, what was your sex ed like? For us, we did it was three months and we split it between gym and you went back every other day. So like gym one day, gym one day. And yeah, so they it was first of all, only three months. And then they split it with gym class. (laughs) And And it's like, what, 45 minute periods or something. Yeah, yeah, really short period. I just remember that we had a substitute teacher who blushed every time he said the word fucking vagina, which is kind of a problem. Yeah, (laughs) I mean. It's a different climate now, but I know that it was exclusive in terms of just being penis to vaginal intercourse. And that's basically all we got. I don't. Did you have it every year? No, no. Okay. No, we had it freshman year. And that was three months. Split it with Jim. That was it. Yeah. It's like taking like a driver's ed class. Like I, I remember more about my driver's ed class than I do about my sex ed class. So because of our abysmal sex ed experiences. Yeah, I mean, um, we had to teach ourselves. Yeah. Which is a scary thought for high school students. And now we're here teaching you. Yeah. But one of the takeaways for me anyway, listening to Maya and Olivia talk about what they do with their group was that, um, because they go, as as they mentioned, they go and like talk to high school students and stuff like that. And I just kept thinking about how important that is and how much... how great it is to have your peers teaching you stuff it feels less embarrassing Mm -hmm. and just how like having a real conversation is something that we really missed out on the most I got on contraception was my mom locking me in a car on a speeding highway (laughs) locked the doors and stared at the road like it was going to suddenly break and suck us in and then proceeded to be as supportive as she possibly could I think given I'm sure her sex education right to let me know that if I needed birth control that she would 
take me to go get it. Right. Which I don't believe because me and my boyfriend were hooking up in my room once and I was never allowed in there with him again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And this also just reflects on one of my rules for life, Mm -hmm. which is never have an important conversation in the car because there's no escape. She locked me in. What did she think I was going to do? Tuck and roll? I know. Right. (laughs) Seriously. Going like 75 (laughs) miles down the highway. Like that's how uncomfortable the conversation is between parents and also why we should have it in formal education because no parent wants to have this conversation. And that is fair. Um, I think I would, but right, (laughs) right. Everyone's going to teach something a little bit different and people and like if if people that had poor sex education are then going to try and teach their kids and they don't do the proper research, they don't have time, whatever. There's no consistency. Like there does need to be some sort of standard because reading all this stuff, I kept thinking about like vaccines where like if if people don't have like if if kids don't get vaccinated, they're not just at endanger themselves they're putting other people at risk right and if you don't give people proper information about like sexual health and all this other stuff they go out into the world and they endanger other people that's why abstinence only doesn't work is right. because in that world everyone would have to be abstinent and it's just right. not logical yeah that's not accurate there's no other academic program that consistently fails to prepare students for the outside world of a classroom and human sexuality is something that you will all almost everyone actually have to know about yeah and have in order to protect yourself and to protect others like Mm -hmm. our community and yeah eventually to like enjoy your fucking life yeah as a sexual adult if that's what you would like so let's talk about the history of sex ed a little bit uh traditionally adolescents in many cultures were not given any information on sexual matters because it was so taboo how much easier would it be if like our lives be if sex one of the main drives for human existence yeah wasn't taboo (laughs) yeah i mean like what's the one thing everyone knows about pigs that pigs enjoy sex they're the only animal other than people i'm pretty sure true Ooh, which other one well dolphins dolphins love having sex okay so dolphins and pigs so like we're the only three species really that enjoy sex yeah so like why don't they just tell us about it because christians (laughs) no fuck that shit anyway this information was traditionally left up to a child's parent which was often put off until marriage. And see, that's the fucking problem here. Mm -hmm. Back in April, there was Activist Mommy, who I guess you can find on YouTube. I'm going to find her right now. Please find her. Activist Activist Mommy. Mommy. Her name is Elizabeth Johnson. She's a conservative Christian who homeschools her 10 children, so clearly she's getting laid, who urged parents in April to pull their children from school in protest of the proposed changes to comprehensive sex ed. So her quote, is you're not allowed to rape the minds of our children with pornographic material. <laughs> wow. The the misuse, this is such a pet peeve of mine, it drives me fucking bananas. The misuse of the word rape in that mm. context is fucking infuriating mm-hmm. because you know what's rape? Rape. Do you know what's not rape? Seeing images of people having sex yeah well or like or not even having having sex sex. because that's the thing it's not pornographic it's not like these schools are streaming red red tube or bukkake or some guy like shooting his semen into a fucking frying pan and like letting a girl eat it which i've seen did she use it to cook eggs they scrambled the semen (gasps) and then she ate it like it was (gasps) scrambled eggs oh my god i'm sorry i actually (laughs) my stomach actually just turned that's fucking foul why my roommate showed me i don't know why because porn is weird that I've, i haven't recovered yet <laughs> i 
have to tell you. And anyway, you know, you know what really gets me though is that comprehensive sex ed includes abstinence information. So why right. is it that conservative people don't make room for the opposite? It's the pro-life of sex ed. It's yeah. it's like our our opinion is the correct opinion and there's no space for anything else. Right. And and it just so happens that our opinion includes no access to information whatsoever mm-hmm. and somehow that seems like a good idea do you want someone i don't know to like figure out how to launch a fucking rocket into space without knowing physics right no anyway sorry so i activist mommy she has 10 kids she homeschools all of them because of the atheist propaganda that we push in schools oh yeah mm-hmm. all that atheist propaganda and because she says something about like all kids having like sex in school and on the stairwells and blah, kids blah, blah, are blah. having sex on the stairwells yeah Man, sounds like they're having a lot more fun than we had in yeah, school. Yeah, right? <laughs> Take me back. <laughs> I don't remember that in high school. I know, right? My first sex was like... My first sex. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I had sex was basically me covering my face so he wouldn't see me crying and so that he would stop asking me if I was okay. Because I was like, I am totally fine with this. I consent. It's going to hurt. It hurts. And, but I also just want to, I mean, to, I didn't want to get it over with. I We I, we actually waited. I waited like eight months. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that's also because I had this weird view of sex that I was taught. And I mean, there was no chance that I was going to wait until marriage. But right. But it's like only loose girls have sex early. Yeah. Kind of a which thing. is a just, bullshit stigma yeah. that I wish that I hadn't had. And if I ever have children, then I would 100% not teach that (laughs) yeah because you're about to like what if you you're not sexually compatible i mean then you're stuck yeah so to continue like a little bit of the history of it in our society but this actually kind of relates to what you were saying about diseases passing so in the 1800s a mass public campaign promoted the regulation of sexuality and emphasized risk reduction practices and healthcare prevention in response to cholera and syphilis epidemics cholera Oh, I, what, what do I keep saying? Cholera. 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 It's like the newest in shampoo. Find our cholera. <laughs> or like something somebody would name their kid. Oh, my God. Yes. This is cholera blue. <laughs> in 1943, Planned Parenthood Federation of America is adopted as the new name for Birth Control Federation of America. But I skipped ahead to 1960 when the Food and Drug Administration approves uh, the sale of oral contraceptives uh, and opposition to sexuality education begins to be organized by John by the John Birch Society. And parents opposed to sex and sensitivity education. Right. And just for like fun, because I loved the names of these was Christian Crusade, parents opposed to sex and sensitivity training. Mothers organized for moral stability. (laughs) Sanity on sex. Yeah, that's a good one. But this, I think in the 60s, which is coincidentally when our rates in teenage pregnancy began to increase. So the opposition started and our teen pregnancy numbers went up. Because I find this particularly damaging is that a lot of schools still only teach abstinence-only curriculum. Right. And abstinence is a healthy choice that some teens will choose, but it should not be the only option. Absolutely. And it should be taught without judgment either way. I think both should be taught. Well, just non-judgmental. Like, if you want to be abstinent, that is your choice. If you don't, here is how to protect yourself and to protect others. Yeah, and just because you choose to be abstinent now does not mean that you have to continue to make... Like, that's the other thing, too, is I think that there's, like... When you when you teach something like that and you have so much of your identity kind of like linked up with it, Mm -hmm. it's like just because you decide at 14 years old that you want to be abstinent, wait till marriage or whatever, doesn't mean that you 
can't change your mind later. Absolutely. You know, like you, if you think maybe you're not old enough or you don't trust anybody enough or you're too scared mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, like that's fine. Yeah. But you can also change that later. Absolutely. And it doesn't devalue you in any way. No. So in 1970, Congress enacted the Title 10 enacted Title 10 of the Public Health Services Act, which provides funding for family planning services, for educational programs, and for research. Um, And the White House Conference on Children recommended consumer-determined, publicly-funded programs of family life, sex and popular education, and voluntary family planning services and safe abortion available for all. That was in 1970, and they're advocating for publicly funded programs for sex ed and and access to abortion services and stuff like that. Of course, because that was 1970 and 1973 was Roe versus Wade. Right. I mean, so we had we had this moment like in the 70s, I would say, like a during, good moment. <laughs> yeah. During like the kind of sexual awakening, women's empowerment, you know, women are getting a lot more active. The death of all of us. And all of these sort of pro-education things started being being put forward more supportive of women and Mm -hmm. i would argue not i don't want to like evaluate in any way but i would say that that sex ed for women is of the utmost importance because the reality of the situation is that we are so much more likely to get diseases Mm -hmm. than men are by nature of the fact that men's genitalia is external and female genitalia is internal Mm -hmm. so it's so much more we need to be armed with information it's so fucking important Mm -hmm. and this was like this moment in the early 70s when women were being listened to and when you know we started being able to make choices for ourselves about having sex or not and having children or not and it was like a shining moment women not do their biological duty i know (laughs) i don't understand me blasphemy So in 1976, Title X was then expanded, and it included community-based sexuality education and other preventative services for teenagers. So um, they did sex and birth control education programs, were done in communities around the country, um, and it increased attention uh, with an increased attention to harder to reach populations mm-hmm. like uh, differently abled people um, trying to help parents become sex educators at home. So kind of like some sort of like community standardized community outreach to get access. <laughs> Which is what, all that we want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To get access to people who maybe don't have this information otherwise and to empower parents, even if even if we're talking about a situation where people are learning in schools we should impact like parents should be empowered to ask their educators it, if they're talking about this figure out where there might be a, a hole in information yeah. fill that in themselves or advocate for change right we want children to ask us questions yeah they need to and they need to feel safe doing so mm-hmm. yeah and we owe that to them um but then the 80s happened <sighs> And in 1981, the Adolescent Family Life Act was passed, which funded programs to promote sexual abstinence before marriage. Mm -hmm. And surprise, surprise, if we look at what was happening politically in the early 1980s, that was when uh, Ronald Reagan became president. (laughs) As much as, you know, everyone's always they're like, you know, Reagan uh, enthusiasts. He uh, he did a lot of really bad things for mm-hmm. for our country and for family planning the adolescent family life act being among them yeah oh and then this is cool hmm. in 1988 dr c.e coop who was the surgeon general at the time sent a report on hiv aids to 107 million households in the u.s which signaled that aids was a public health issue and not a moral issue 
And that is so fucking important. I remember like learning about AIDS in, in sex ed actually. Mm -hmm. And, and it's still at that point in the late nineties, it having to parse all of that apart and like, right. We had, I do remember having conversations about harder hit populations, um, lack of information, and how there was a kind of structural issue with why certain populations were being infected more than others. Uh, In 2003, U.S. Supreme Court strikes down Texas sodomy law and Canada joins Belgium and the Netherlands in legalizing same-sex marriage and federal abstinence-only funding is increased by $15 million. Yeah. So yay U.S. Supreme Court for getting rid of the sodomy laws. Yay for Canada joining Belgium and the Netherlands and legalizing same-sex marriage like a decade, more than a decade before we fucking did because our government at the same time is like, abstinence-only bitches. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Right. (laughs) Uh, In 2004, the year begins with a report from NPR Kaiser Kennedy School of Government that shows support for balanced sexuality education at 94 percent, while the Bush administration budgets $170 million for abstinence-only education. At year's end, Representative Henry Waxman publishes a report that finds over two-thirds of federally funded abstinence-only programs rely on curricula that are seriously flawed. Wow. So not only are we teaching abstinence only, but they're teaching abstinence only based on super flawed curriculum because they're so fucking married to this idea of teaching this stupid thing that they can't even get the information proper. Well, so we're going to we're going to get into this more in and please tune in two weeks from now to our uh, podcast. But we're going to to follow up on this because it's such a huge issue and it's very important. As definitely to me, but I think to both of us, yeah. it's really important for our community and for our children and for adults. <laughs> um, only 24 states and the District of Columbia mandate that you teach sex education and only 13 require that it be medically accurate, which violates medical ethics and harms fucking young people. Yeah, that's 25 of the uh, half of our state mm-hmm. is required. And then even half of that, so a quarter of our country, right, is not getting medically accurate information. We are willingly misinforming our children. Right. And it, you know, it just goes, it, it just extends, I think, so much into the way that we talk about, um, I'm seeing so much overlapping in the way that we talk about and teach sex ed with the way that we talk about and educate around uh, family planning and abortion just in general even to adults so like we're talking about curricula that that is flawed and we're intentionally knowingly misinforming people and then we have crisis pregnancy centers turning up next to abortion clinics Ugh. that intentionally misinform women to try and impact the decision that they're making to try and control women by keeping them underinformed. Mm-hmm. and that's the same thing that we have here is yep. an education system that is trying to control teens by keeping them intentionally underinformed about what sexuality and sex is and putting them in harm's way. Yep. You're- and that's fucked. <laughs> I usually like My to end assessment. on a happy note, but I feel like that's, that's how it. I should end it. It's fucked. <laughs> We're literally fucked. Yeah. <laughs> fucked. Thank you for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. Gross. You like that? Sometimes I make myself laugh. (laughs) We'd also like to thank our fantabulous producer, Caitlin Moldenhauer of More Banana Productions, for producing us. 
hosting us and for helping us reach our goals. You guys, we are having an ongoing conversation and we really want to hear your thoughts, questions, and concerns. So make sure to drop us an email at welcometomyvagina at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. Also, welcome to my vagina. We might even discuss it on our next episode. Also check out Jessie's videos at welcometomyvagina.com and please subscribe to her YouTube channel. Welcome to my vagina, so she doesn't have to bartend anymore. So we don't have to bartend anymore. We don't anymore. have to. Read my blog. <laughs> Please check out FranklyRebecca.com, where Rebecca slays you, politically smacks you, and reminds any misogynist to sit down and shut the fuck up because she's smarter than you, and that's a fact that I support. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Welcome to My Vag because of that fucking letter limit. <laughs> and if you want to support us, you can do that too. Just go to Patreon and type in Welcome to My Vagina Podcast and give us your money. Give us your money. Thank you so much for listening and we are stoked to prick your ears in two weeks. Bye. Rebecca, say bye. Oh, bye. See you next Tuesday. GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more.